Welcome to the Teams with Edge podcast with me, your host, Ashley Livingstone. I'm an entrepreneur, leader, community member, and at the end of the day, I'm a human being who loves to learn, be creative, who admittedly makes mistakes, and who's on a mission to bring more joy and engagement to my life and my clients' lives. Over the past 18 years in my career, I've encountered various leaders and teams, some that have thrived and others that have been, well, toxic. And I've realized this is actually not unique to me. In fact, we've all been there. This show is my way of helping leaders who desire ease with their teams, who know there's a better way to lead than the traditional forms of leadership from our parents' generation, and who know that leadership is not gained through following a template. This show will offer you insights and interviews with various like-minded leaders who are all inspiring their teams having those uncomfortable conversations, investing in development, and building a culture of gratitude and value, making an impact. My goal with this show is to motivate you to think about the type of leader you most desire becoming and inspire you to connect, engage, and develop your teams today. Ultimately, showing up for them so they show up for you. Building intentional, conscious leadership. We can do this. All right, let's go. Welcome to this week's episode of Teams with Edge. My guest today is Dot Rock. She is a CPA and an HR professional putting two unique skill sets together. And after working for years in the corporate world, Dot has now gone off on her own. She loves small businesses and she loves helping them thrive. And this is really where her experience both as a CPA and an HR professional has given her such an edge. With a firsthand understanding of scaling and growth, Dot works her magic by finding patterns, implementing systems, and interpreting behaviors at work. Dot can truly help you connect the dots. In her spare time, Dot is passionate about CrossFit, outdoor adventures, and flying. She is dynamic and vibrant in every way, and she will help your business be the same. I am so excited for today's episode, so let's get right into it, and welcome, Dot. Okay, so welcome everyone to Teams with Edge. I am so pleased to be welcoming my guest today, Dot Rock, who has like by far the coolest name in the history of names. So welcome, Dot. I'm so pleased that you are joining me today. Thank you. I'm actually like still in the process of officially changing my name to Rock. I just got married and yeah. Rock is not the name of my new husband. <laughs> But it, it was an agreement I made with my friend, Mike Rock. So, <laughs> Yes, which is a whole other really awesome story <laughs> that <laughs> I, um, I remember listening to it, going for a walk one day and just being like, I need to know this woman even more <laughs> because so this funny. is a great story. 
But, uh, you know, thank you so much for joining me today. I think that really the conversation and where we started chatting is all about our upper limiting beliefs and how they consciously, subconsciously, unconsciously hold us back from so many things in our life, um, but specifically where we want to be in business. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you and I are part of a couple of different groups and we've just read uh, The Joy of Genius and The Big Leap, which really both of these books kind of tie into upper limiting beliefs. So why don't you share with everyone a little bit about uh, the work that you do and how this all ties together? All right. Um, So the work that I do is I am a strategic business consultant and essentially I'm a scaling and hiring guru. I have a CPA certified public. I'm a certified public accountant, a CPA, um, and I'm an HR professional, which is an interesting little combination. Um, But I just love, love people. I love efficiency and streamlining things. And my business kind of combines all of that to help small business owners get back into what's called your zone of genius, which is, is in the big leap, um, which is where, which is typically the reason people started their business because they were passionate about something. So let's say somebody was passionate about bicycles. They open a bike shop. What ends up happening is they get stuck in the day-to-day grind of doing it all, um, hiring everybody, doing all the paychecks, and that takes up all of their time instead of the reason they started their business. And so I like to say I help people get back to that thrival state um, of being back in their zone of genius. And typically what that involves is wrapping their head around accepting support, hiring a team, delegating to that team, continuing to manage that team. Right. And so that really then aligns with the work that you do, I believe, in in maintaining that effort. But people's upper limits, um, what what an upper limit is, is something that keeps you essentially from the joy that you crave. Right. Like you could want your dream body. You could want your dream job. And there's something that right when you get close, you self-sabotaged. So why do we do this? And and this is like, uh, you know, as you're talking, I can think of, you know, so many ways that even myself, and I know we are all guilty of it. Nobody, I don't think anyone doesn't do this, right? It's more right. about recognizing when it's happening um, to be able to give that, give yourself that pause. But, you know, how, how do we start to recognize our limiting beliefs? Well, I'm not a psychologist, but, um, you know, one of the things is is that our brains are hardwired for pain. We constantly see pain. We constantly make things hard and they're not, not a lot of things are really that hard, as hard as our brains make us think they are. Right. So let's say I'm about to leave the room. This happened to me recently. I like had my cup next to me and I'm like, oh, I should take it up to the kitchen now. And my brain immediately said, no, you can do that later. What on earth, right? Like, why does, no, I'm going to do it right now. Why are you making me 
um, procrastinate and do all these things. You're not keeping me safe. In fact, you're like keeping me cluttered. So our brains are constantly trying to like point out the pain. And the more we are able to see those like pain points and kind of smile and wave at them and push past them, the more we can overcome these upper limits. So I recently started um, really diving back into food journaling as it ties to my workouts, but as it really ties to my level of energy throughout Mm -hmm. the day and just kind of playing with my macros and stuff. Well, I kept telling myself that was too hard to do. It's not that hard. It's just not like why I made that up to keep me from my ultimate goal is an upper limit problem. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, you can see that so many places in business and leaders. And, you know, again, I've even been guilty of this myself. I know I've had this conversation with you too about, you know, you want to take on more, you want to, you know, you desire that growth and that team who is going to take all of this off of your plate for you. And I even have, I've said this in another interview, a, a Google doc going where I, every time I'm working on something that I don't want to be working on, I put it there. And it's my do not do anymore list. But you want to know where I'm stuck is that who do I give it to? Right. Which is just another, it's your brain tricking you a second time. Right. So I think we had this conversation where I was like, well, then just put it on your list. Like keep your list. This becomes your job description. Mm -hmm. Um, But then what's going to happen is you're going to get in your own way and not write that process document that says this is how someone else could do it. This is how to make it a little bit more efficient, or maybe it doesn't even need to be done. That's another thing. Does it need to be done? We make things hard. We, like I said, we go towards pain. We, and then our brain gets even smarter and is like, okay, great. You made the list. Now I'm going to tell you, you can't find anybody to do that work, but guess what? Like everybody has a zone of genius. I have multiple virtual assistants to do those things for me because it's their zone of genius. They like to help me. They like scheduling. They like bookkeeping. They like social media. I freaking hate social media. (laughs) It is not like, and in fact, what's crazy about it is when we do those things that we have on our, I don't want to do list, it takes us 10 times longer. It sucks us of our energy and particularly our creative energy, which then keeps us small in our business. So we might think that hiring somebody for $25 an hour, 10 hours a week sounds outrageous and like our business couldn't afford it. But the question is, is how much does your time cost? Yeah, that's such a... More than that. And how much does your energy cost? Which just because we can't, in a masculine way, put a dollar figure to that doesn't mean that it doesn't hold us back. Yeah. Well, and that, that's such a, yeah, I think there's so many business leaders, um, you know, specifically entrepreneurs out there who get stuck in that cycle, right? And, and we've talked about this too of like, okay, fine, I, I did it. I hired someone. I listened. I did it. I hired. They're not working out. And now I have to release them, right? Set them free. 
and find someone else. And it's just this constant cycle where after you do it a couple of times, you're like, why am I still making these same mistakes? Or, you know, why do I keep attracting the wrong person to the role? And, you know, being able to look inward and say, you know, how are you holding yourself back from finding that right person? Or what are, what role do you play in their success? Absolutely. I mean, what I say to my clients is that it's probably 50% mindset work when they hire me. And people, of course, are like, I'm going to hire her because she's a HR strategist. She's a business guru, right? Which, yeah, I bring a lot of strategy to the table. But I could give you strategy and checklists till we're blue in the face. That doesn't mean they're in alignment for you, right? My approach is that the very first thing that we need pretty much in anything in life is clarity. What's your why? What are your values? What do you want? Right? We sometimes get to the point in life where we don't even want to write down that we want whatever it is. I am a pilot and I haven't flown airplanes in five years. I want to get back in the airplane. But sometimes writing that down is is terrifying that we might not be able to reach that joy, right? Yeah. And so it's the same thing with hiring and the same mistakes happening over and over. And honestly, the same thing with dating. Why do we <laughs> yeah. keep getting it wrong? We weren't clear with ourselves with what we wanted and what our expectations were. And when we're clear with what we want and what our expectations are, we can then give those to employees when we onboard them or contract employees, personal assistants, whatever that is. And then they, and then we can also learn to delegate. And that means actually letting somebody else fail yeah, and figure it out. I mean, I always give the example of, so I have two eight-year-old little boys. One's mine and one's my bonus boy. They're five months apart. They're in second grade. And I mean, I don't always want to pack their lunches for the rest of their lives. So how am I going to delegate that task? Well, at first I was like, well, I'll have them start packing lunches. Well, guess what happens when you have eight-year-olds start packing their lunches? They take gummies. Yep. And that's it. Well, what do you do? Do you intervene? Give them some suggestions, but you also just let them fail. They're going to get real freaking hungry. Yep. Right? And then I have to put in some systems to, to make it easier for them. Like I, I reorganized the pantry and I put out some snacks so that there's healthy things. And there's some rules like you need a, a protein, a fat, and a carb. You can't just have gummies, right? But you can pair those with something else and parameters. And does it mean they don't sometimes pick gummies every single day for a week straight? Nope. They keep trying it. But they know what the parameters are and they're getting better and better at it. And they're proud of themselves. Right. And so they're starting to be able to pack their lunches now. Like when is that really going to happen? Third grade, fourth grade? I don't know. It takes time. (laughs) It does. And I think that that's the, the training and that's the onboarding and that's the, you know, not rescuing, right. Not rescuing them um, or your employees, but you know, being there to let them, you know, I'm sure if your, your son said to you, 
mom, can I, can I do this? Or what do you think this and this go together? You know, being there to listen and maybe troubleshoot, but not solving all the problems for people as much as inside you're thinking it'd just be so much faster if I did it myself. Of course it would. But what am I going to do? Have kids that go to college who don't know how to really do that? Or, you know, the same thing is I just recently started doing laundry with them. Well, it's going to take them time. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen overnight, but they're at least a little bit more aware of the level of work that I do for them. So there's definitely, you know, I'm thinking about leaders or folks that are listening to this who are thinking, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. Why would I, mm-hmm. why would I spend that much time to do this when I could do it myself? Well, there's another upper upper limit belief that it's easier to do it yourself. But what ends up happening when people do it themselves is what I would call burnout surge. Mm. So you can hustle and hustle and put in grit and go, go, go in a small business. In fact, I think there's like, I think the statistic is 25 million of the 27 million small businesses in the United States only have one employee, which is the individual who started the business. So what happens is businesses fail um, or people decide to sell their business or they decide to go back to work for somebody else because they tried to do it all. Um, And it's, it's just another upper limiting belief, but there are some pretty simple skills and strategies. Um, The number one thing in my opinion is hire somebody who can support you and to like, you know, you have to hire, hire someone to support you to do that because then you'll feel accountable. It's like going to a personal trainer at the gym. You don't miss a gym session when you already paid for it, yeah. especially if there's money on the line. But what's happening is when people say it'd be easier if I did it myself, that's a short-term fix for a symptom of not knowing how to delegate, of not knowing how to manage people, um, and what we do on often is we avoid things that we don't know how to do. We just avoid them. And HR strategy, HR sounds really scary. It's people management. It's your biggest asset. People plus time. Um, it's scary, but it's not rocket science either. It, it absolutely, there's easy tricks and strategy. And once you do them and once you start finding success with them, you, you can um, truly scale your business. I mean, when you hire a cleaning lady, does she know that you want the, the fridge cleaned out once a week? Or do you have to tell her like people think that they can hire an employee and have them read their mind and do everything overnight And it's simply not true, but there's plenty of strategies to build in to make it feel easy Mm -hmm. and to make you feel supported. Well, and I think that that's such a, you know, interesting thing. It's the whole, we can't read each other's minds, right? You never truly know what someone else is thinking, where you stand with them. All you can do is, you know, show up as your best self and set people up for success, including yourself. And oftentimes I think when you hear HR, you know, immediately you think of a huge department, 
right? That this is a big, oh, you have an HR department or you have HR person, you must be a big company, right? And that's another one of those limiting beliefs where I'm not big enough to have more people working for me. Right. Or right. the, like, it's, it's ridiculous. And you don't even, you don't even have to have like, I mean, I have multiple assistants. They all do different virtual assistants. They all do different things. One of them works like an hour a month, I think. I mean, but that she's in her niche. She does her thing and others work. I have one that works 10 hours a week. I mean, it, it's amazing because I'm finally getting to the point in my business where I feel like I have the time to do what I'm passionate about, which is things like this, a a podcast, being one-on-one with my clients, but not everything behind the scenes. We will burn out. And it goes back to what you were saying before, the whole reason you started your business, you know, whoever you are, the reason you started was because you had a passion about something or you had joy or you know, maybe it was even for me, I started my business when I had my son. And to be honest, I hated where I used to work. And I just did not want to pay for daycare, never see my child and go to a job I didn't love. That just like, to me, that was just like so misaligned. So I got creative and thought, how can I start my own business so I can have time with my son and do something I love doing. So I always and find serve myself, a purpose and serve a purpose. Absolutely. And, and connect with people. Like that's always been my, my big piece as well. But I, I notice even in myself that sometimes I forget or it pushes to the back of my head as to why I started doing what I was doing to begin with, which was to have that harmony, work-life harmony, where I did have time with my son and I did have time with my family. So as an entrepreneur, when you get stuck in doing it all, you know, what goes first is time with the people you love. Right. And the whole feeling that you're after when you start your business is typically peace, freedom, vibrancy, right? Yeah. And we sacrifice that and we go back to the pain and it's a different kind of pain. Um, And then we start telling ourselves stories like, well, I don't know where the next revenue is coming from. So I don't know when my next clients are, but I mean, if you build it, they will come. (laughs) That's how it works. The more you believe, the more it will happen. And so what I often see is that people just start this hiring process way too late Um, and then even more of their mindset stuff comes into play because they have 10 more stories as to why they can't do it. And, um, yeah, well, it's a problem. I won't work with people who I don't think aren't going to be able to make the mindset mindset shift. And I They're think that that's client. like such an interesting, it's not necessarily leadership skills. It's mindset work that you mm-hmm. need to be developing because so many places are talking about, you know, develop your leaders and, you know, leadership skills and, you know, managing this. And, but really it doesn't matter how many courses you take. If you still have beliefs that keep holding you back or, 
you're stuck in a, this is how it needs to be done because this is how it's always been done. That's when we start to run into issues and, and you're going to keep hitting that same cycle over and over and over again. Right. And, um, you know, what I say is from a percentage standpoint, like I said, it's like 50% mind mindset stuff. Um, and 10% habits, 35% accountability and connection and 5% strategy. That actually like like feels like such a relief to me. (laughs) It's really like, you just need some support to have the strategy to do it right. And we're not built to do it alone. We are supposed to have a tribe. Why are small business owners, particularly women, getting back to hustle and saying they have to do it all? It's, it's bullshit and it's a lie. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's, it goes against everything that, you know, women have been working towards. I, I don't know. We, we but sometimes. But that's, that's an upper limit again. It is. Yep. <laughs> because we, what is going to bring down your joy factor from getting to the place you want to be that limiting belief, that limiting choice, that, that pain. Yeah. And I Every think time. too, you compare like all so many different things, right? If, so if you think about comparison and judgment and fear of money or fear like lack of money or too much money, there are so many stories. And I think one of the biggest things that's been working for me is just telling, like saying my stories out loud. Because then you can see them, you name them, you, you know, just call them out. Because I think we all just tell ourselves so many stories and, you know, oh, I don't want to call that person because they don't want to hear from me or they didn't, you know, they didn't write me back after I sent them the proposal. They don't like me or what I offered wasn't enough. And all of these things, whereas you can say the story out loud and then ask yourself, you know, really, is it true? <laughs> you know, how do I know that they are maybe just away on vacation? Or how do I know that they're not just really busy and haven't written me back for that reason? Like we have, we really have no idea. But when you can start saying your stories out loud, um, I find it, it helps me catch myself a bit more. It definitely does. And, you know, I kind of say like wave at the story and thank it for reminding you that that's not what you want, you know, or um, if you have somebody in your life that triggers you often, it's really neat to kind of be like, I see you over there criticizing me. That's a reminder that I don't want to be internally criticizing myself. Great. Not going to do that. Thanks for the reminder. Right. And the more we can realize that it's not about us. Everybody's on their own journey, um, but we do get, um, a, you know, a driver's seat in life to have the best life that we want. Yep. Um, yeah. To turn up our volume and tell our story. Um, and that is scary, but I mean, the, what is the regret of the dying is always that they didn't do something, not that they did something. Yeah. Like, are you going to regret, um, 
hiring a rock star team. No, you're going to regret doing it all. I promise. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Being burnt out and missing things and, or not being able to reach the limits, you know, as high as you want to take your business or create, you know, what you want to create with your business because you can't see the capacity in yourself. And that's okay. You, we don't all have the, you know, unlimited capacity. That's where we need to recruit and surround ourselves with amazing people who are going to help us grow our businesses. Right. And, and, and I keep find it doing more. I find it interesting that there are certain things that I've, people are more than willing to outsource accounting, more than willing to outsource bookkeeping. Oh no, I don't do that at all. Mm-mm-mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's money. Um, and we've, we've decided that it's okay as women for us to not do that. But it's not okay for us to not do our own marketing. It's not okay for us to not do our own social media. We have to do all the rest of it. That's such an interesting point. Never thought well, about it like that. Why is that? Like, and I, well, I'm going to go consistent. out on a limb and say it's because people, you know, attach money as a masculine piece and social media mm-hmm. marketing. You know, we're now even putting ourselves into gender roles. And that's bullshit too. <laughs> it is. And I mean, a lot of the mindset battle that small businesses have with scaling their business. And when I say scaling, scaling isn't just about growth, right? Scaling is about aligning the scales that are off balance so that the, not everything's on your plate, getting it even. But alignment is about making those shifts that help your business exponentially grow. Mm. Instead of like, of course, you're going to grow if you hire people. Of course, you're going to grow if you add new tools and that type of thing to do more work. That's just how it works. But when people are resistant to scaling their business, it's because they're letting this masculine word take over. That to them means it has to be all about strategy. It's not. In my opinion... And I scale in a different way than other scaling gurus because I don't think it has to be about strategy. Yes, there's strategy, but it's actually easy if you can wrap your mind around it. And if you can start being aware of when you are holding yourself back from the life that you want. I mean, I have a little boy at home on day six of a stomach bug, and I have not produced a lot of work material this week. But I've, I've done, I've maintained every appointment with my clients and I have my team working and it feels great. And next week I'm going on the Grand Canyon to raft for the first time. And I'm not like a stress case, but old me without a team, without support, with mindset beliefs that are holding me back would have felt frantic stressed out, too worried to even pack my shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like just the, the freedom, right? So we go back to why we all started our businesses and it's that, that freedom too, right? That's part of it. And, you know, I would challenge anyone who says that they didn't, you know, have that hope for why they started their own business, even if it's like part of a hope, 
of freedom, but it's that ability to, you don't have to ask anyone to approve your vacation time. You don't need to do that. However, when you end up working an 80 hour week so that you can be off for a week, that does not make sense to me. And that is something that, you know, even when I worked in corporate, that was such a huge uh, suck, you know, energy suck and just joy suck that you always ended up paying for it. You always ended up paying for going on vacation. And that is something that I try so hard and I'm super aware of, of just letting myself enjoy going away. And, and you're right, like you need the team and you need the other supports in place so that you can go and be free, right? Have that freedom. Yeah. And I mean, I build my schedule now to where the day before I go on vacation and the day I return, those are vacation days too, because I'm going to prepare and I'm not going to prepare frantically. Now, does that mean it happens perfectly every time? No, but, um, and that means when I return, I'm going to have a day where I kind of catch up on emails and I kind of do all the laundry that happened and I get the groceries and it feels good to me and my family. Mm-hmm. And now for me this summer, I'm going to work three days a week and feel really good about it. And I'll bet you money that I'm going to get more done and I'm going to feel more in alignment than ever before. And my team is going to rise to a higher level because I asked them to. Yeah. We often think too that we, you know, that do not do less, right? I'll go back to that. And we think that we're putting things on there that nobody's going to like doing, but that's not true. People love it. People love spreadsheets and people love to be creative on graphics and people love to do that stuff. People love actually to take things off of your plate. Yes. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And then you say thank you to them and they're like, no, thank you. And you're like, what is this? They're like, I have more time. Let me do more. And it's actually such a really... Um, empowering feeling when you actually get to give people opportunities. And that's, again, like just shifting that story instead of, oh, I'm giving somebody crappy jobs to do. The flip side is I am helping someone pay their bills this month. I am helping somebody learn a new skill. I am helping somebody do something that they want to do because they love it. As opposed to all of the negativity that we associate with those do not do things for us. Right. And then the other thing that's really interesting that I want to point out with all of this is, you know, people are like, oh, I, I can't have a team like that. And, you know, I don't like, but like I said, it's like, I have some people working an hour a week, an hour a month and 10 hours a week and, you know, have it all over the board. But one of the cool things you can do when you're a solopreneur like us is you can introduce your virtual assistance team and say, Hey, me, Rachel, that's my, that's my social media (laughs) um, marketing manager, guru, meet Rachel. This is what she does. Meet Jen. This is what she does. And then they all know what each person does. And so if I assign Rachel a task that she's like, they'll know, but I think, and Jen's like, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. Right. 
they will feel more um, connected to each other to share those tasks, to be like, you know, I really think this is her zone of genius. Or then maybe they'll start speaking up even more, which is what happens on my team, right? Is that they're like, hey, I want to do that for you. And then they start asking in my weekly meetings, is there anything else I could do for you? What else could I get off your plate? It's like a game to them. <laughs> and I'm which like, just, said, yeah. said, who did somebody want to fold my laundry to? <laughs> no, you can outsource that as well, I think. <laughs> but that's the, you know, I think that that's the vision that we all have for our business. So, you know, what is one one key piece of advice that you would give someone to help them get there or just see what's possible? Key piece of advice, um, I say write it down and believe that it's already true. Mm. Um, just like believe that is true. And Every time you tell yourself it's not, you're just holding yourself back. Yeah. Write it down and it's, and say like in three months, I have a team because as you do that, you'll start taking the steps to make it happen because you believe you can be successful. Yeah. And engaging with your team. Yeah. And just like, you know, as you were talking to about your team and getting them to know one another you know, you don't have to have, I think that's the other big myth is you don't have to have quote unquote employees on payroll, receiving benefits and all of those pieces to have a team, right? right? There is not, that's another limiting belief is that your team doesn't have to look a certain way. You get to, you get to paint and create whatever journey you want. And for some people, I think that's super scary because they're like, no, 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 give me the checklist. Tell me exactly what to do and how to do it. Whereas like someone like me, I'm like, oh my goodness, I get to make this up completely how, like design my own life, choose my own adventure. And for me, that's super exciting. Yeah. And you know what the thing is, is like, I, I give my, my, clients checklist but we make them theirs because if I give you a checklist you're not going to use it unless it's filled with your values and filled with your why and truly connected and aligned for you otherwise it's just a downloadable grocery list honestly yeah you know I say that often of we need to just stop checking boxes for the sake of checking the boxes right with team engagement or gratitude with your team and clients it's not checking a box yes it might be on your list of things that you need to implement but you have to do it your way that feels good and aligned for you and it's going to be authentic because if you're engaging you're trying to connect your team or showing gratitude and appreciation and you're delivering it as a robot no one's going to believe it and you're probably actually doing more damage Oh, that's what, I mean, every single one of my clients, one of my questions for them is, you know, clients with employees versus clients without actual W-2 employees, clients with a number of employees. When I say, so how do you feel about performance reviews? Mm -hmm. Every single one of them freaking hates them. 
they're like, oh, I, they're, oh, I don't really do them. Oh, they're just so bad. I put them off. It's because it is not aligned in any capacity with your why. It's not helping your employees. It's hindering them. It's not helping you. If you just want to give out bonuses once a year, don't freaking do reviews then. Yeah. You don't have to check the box. If you have some bad employees, you probably want to check the box so that you give them a poor review and it's documented. But, you know, I've created a different type of template. I call it an energy audit. And it's all about how people feel at work. It's all about how connected they are to their why. Are they feeling like they actually contribute? It's a way, it's very different. And we customize it for each business that we work with so that it's an alignment for them. Yeah. Which is just so, I love that. And it goes so nicely with, you know, some of the work that I've been doing with clients on, you know, how they are engaging with their teams. And all of that needs to be tailored too. There is no template. Again, same sort of thing. You can have a checklist, but it's all customized to your team. And, you know, asking your teammates, um, how do they want to feel appreciated? What makes them feel appreciated? Because, you know, I might love a verbal recognition, but somebody else is going to be fortified by that, right? Public recognition would be the worst thing you could do for them. Or, you know, somebody might really love to have a bonus or some money that's actually donated to a charity of their choice where somebody else is thinking, give me days off. It's so different and you can't, it's not a one size fits all. It's not at all. Um, And I think that's, you know, yet another reason people avoid the whole situation Mm -hmm. because it's information overload. It's like, oh, well, well, then should I be doing the Myers-Briggs personality test on everybody or should I be doing, you know, the Enneagram or, oh, my God, what love languages? What should we do? Just do something. Do something. See how it works. Like, stop being afraid that it's going to fail. Just look at look at it as information with curiosity. And if we could all approach our businesses with pouring an extra dose of curiosity in every single day, every day would be better. Mm. Like if instead of having a cup of coffee, you were like, I'm going to have a cup of curiosity today. My employee just came in my office crying. Don't overreact. Be curious. Listen, yeah, that's, I love curiosity and I love just calling out the stories and having those conversations. And, you know, for all of the leaders and teammates who, you know, team members who are listening, you know, it doesn't, every story that you're telling yourself right now, as you're listening to this about too much work or not enough time, or that sounds complicated, that's all stories, right? So call yourself out on it right now, because it's all so doable. And, you know, the nice thing too, is there's folks like Dot and myself who play in this world, who find so much joy in helping leaders make this easy. So, mm-hmm. you know, there is help out there to bring the joy back into your business as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So Dot, what's up next for you? How are you uh, where can people learn more about you or uh, connect with you? 
Well, people can find me on Instagram. Um, I think it's like dot underscore rock. I we should ask Instagram. your virtual. We should. We need to I ask sh- your virtual assistant. I should that. ask. I think it's <laughs> dot underscore rock. Um, and yeah, no, ask, ask Rachel everything. She knows everything about me. Um, and my business website is dot rock consulting.com. Um, I'm actually changing it up because in June we are going to start offering memberships right now. People can work with me via intensives. I do three hours or six hour intensives where we really dive into these issues. Um, because what happens Number one is people get um, overwhelmed and avoid. And so if we do a program that takes three to six months, guess what? People will find all kinds of reasons to avoid. And what's more effective is to jump right in. But I'm going to start offering memberships where people can listen to some modules on some of the strategy, and then we'll do the accountability work together and start really hiring and just, I don't know how to do a job description. Great. That's what we're doing this month. Right. Um, So I'll be launching memberships for employers and solopreneurs two separate memberships in June. Um, And I'm really excited about that. That sounds fantastic. And I think it's such a great way to, you know, for folks who are still being held back and are nervous and not sure. This is such a great way to have you hold their hand throughout it to be held accountable. I think being held accountable is, you know, really helps us take action and implement everything that we want. And, um, and then, you know, if people are looking to learn more about you, uh, check out Dot's website and connect with her on Instagram. So Dot, thank you again so much for being here. It's a joy to speak with you and I can just even though we're so many miles apart I can yeah. always feel I can always feel your energy and oh, uh, and thank you for showing up today thanks for having me it was awesome all right we'll talk to you soon thank you for listening to t- this week's episode of teams with edge I hope you found the conversation engaging and inspiring and just opens your mind a little bit more as to what teamwork and leadership can look like If there's someone in your life, a leader or a team member who should be listening to this podcast and could use a pick-me-up, please share and let's get more people listening and creating conscious leadership together.